You can, you will, you must pass NCLEX. There is a way to study for NCLEX and I'm gonna show you how it's done by focusing on the core content. Get out your downloadable workbooks. All of the information comes from my NCLEX virtual trainer. This is the best resource I have ever created to help nursing students pass the NCLEX. And during this event, we are dropping the price because we want you to get in the VT and get your nursing license. So get out your downloadable workbooks. This is going to be an amazing class. I can't wait for you to get your license this year. If you're nervous or feeling anxious about anything or particularly in NCLEX, listen guys, we got you covered. Here at Remar Review, we believe in putting faith over fear. Join the Remar Nurse family in petitioning God for your physical, mental, and even spiritual needs. And of course, you can ask him, please God, help me pass NCLEX. Because listen, he cares about you. God has your back. You can, you will, you must pass NCLEX. All you have to do is ask. My name is Rosie Gaines. I just want to let you guys know that I took my NCLEX RN and I passed. I used the NCLEX virtual trainer from Regina with the quick facts. I did all six weeks from her um, calendar and I went over this probably once or twice. These tabs I have here were things I had difficulty with. A few days before the exam, um, I rewatched all of her videos. I know it's crazy, but I like having everything fresh in my mind. The virtual trainer is all of this compact into one. If I can do it, so can you. As Regina says, we can, we will, and we must pass NCLEX, okay? Bye. You can, you will, you must pass NCLEX. This class is a preview of what it's like to experience a full NCLEX review with me. So I'm so, again, excited and I hope that you enjoy it. We are going to get started, but you need to get out your workbook. That's right, your downloadable sample workbook have it with you, you are going to need it to take great notes. Again, today is all about pharmacology. We will be starting off this first class studying the nervous system medications. And then we're going to get into some alternative and herbal medications as well. And then I am going to tell you about our virtual trainer where you can get a full NCLEX review and you're going to experience a sample lecture on this class. Did you know that NCLEX is changing? This is the hottest topic right now when it comes to getting your license in nursing. NCLEX is changing and so you have to be ready to pass the exam now or be ready for these changes. And I'm gonna tell you about the changes every week during Remar Nurse University. I wanna start off by reading a medical disclaimer. So the information and educational material in this video is meant to promote the general understanding and dialogue of pharmacology 
for nursing students preparing for state board exams. For patients and individuals, such information is not to be a substitute for professional medical, therapeutic, or healthcare advice or counseling. For medical issues or concerns, including decisions about medications and other treatments, viewers should always consult their physician or in serious cases, seek immediate assistance from emergency personnel. All right, we gotta keep it safe. We gotta keep it safe. Let's go ahead and get into it. And I want you to share this video, tell all your friends about it, um, because this is information that will help you so much. We're gonna get started talking about the nervous system medications, but we have to do an anatomy review. The nervous system is one of the most complex systems in the body. So just reviewing, we're gonna pull all of that anatomy that you had years ago <laughs> to the front of your brain. The, the nervous system is primarily divided into two major divisions. And those divisions are the central nervous system and the peripheral nervous system. And I love images for my visual learners. So you can kind of see here that pretty much if we're talking about the central nervous system, everybody gets that one. You know, it's the brain and it's the spinal cord. That's it. However, if we are looking at that peripheral nervous system, you can see uh, it's a little more complicated, okay? The peripheral nervous system, if you remember, is going to consist of all of the nerves branching off of the spinal column, right? And those are the ones that are connected to the brain, right? So you have here um, the 12 cranial nerves, right? Uh, Everybody has to know the 12 cranial nerves for NCLEX. They are in your quick facts book for NCLEX. And then you also have 31 spinal nerves. Now you don't need to know the spinal nerves here um, individually by name, but just understand that the peripheral nervous system has the majority of the nerves in that division. So let us get a little bit more deeper into the peripheral nervous system because we cannot do, and this is the thing um, about pharmacology is you cannot understand pharmacology if you don't have an appropriate understanding of anatomy and physiology. Because what are the medications working on? The medications are working on the nerves, the glands, the muscles, and so, we will take time to make sure that we review this information so that you can have a proper understanding, okay? So we're gonna get back into it and we're gonna focus on the peripheral nervous system a little more. And you're filling out your boxes here. So this is the chart for my visual learners. Um, so the peripheral nervous system is further divided into two complementary systems here. And I call them complements instead of uh, opposites, all right? I don't like that term as much, 
because they 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 do work together. They're not just opposites all the time. Sometimes they work together. Sometimes they do the same things. But for the majority, they're complements. So the peripheral nervous system is broken down into the motor nerves and then the sensory nerves, okay? And so the motor nerves are what is going to innervate are, are, are what is going to help the muscles and glands perform certain functions, right? That's what the motor nerves do. The sensory neurons, right, the sensory nerves, they are the ones that get the information that's coming in from the environment. So what is your body seeing? What is the eye seeing? What are they smelling? The senses, these are the sensory organs, smelling pain, heat, what are the senses bringing in? All right, so that's what you will see um, for the sensory nerves. Now, actually, for medications for this evening, we will be focused on the motor nervous system and looking at medications that primarily deal with the motor nervous system. So I'm going to divide the motor system down, break it down into two parts. Again, so if you can see here on our chart, the motor nervous system has two more divisions called the autonomic, okay, and the somatic, all right? Do you remember this from anatomy? Some of you guys are like, oh, this has been, it's been such a long time. Okay, so when we talk about the autonomic nervous system, right, we are talking about the movements, because the motor, the motor neurons control the movements, so the autonomic movements are the involuntary, uncontrolled movements, okay? Involuntary and uncontrolled movements. And these are very important for in internal functions. The autonomic nervous system, very important for your internal functions. Now the somatic nervous system, the somatic neurons, these control your voluntary controlled movement. So the things that you want to do, you wanna pick up a cup, all right, the somatic nervous system is on that. It helps you to do those things. So this is a great outline of the peripheral nervous system, okay? I would like to take it one step further and get into the medications now because we are going to look at the medications that affect the autonomic nervous system. These medications are so difficult to understand for nursing students, but you have to have a handle on them for your NCLEX exam. So. Let us, for my writers, we're gonna move from the visual chart, and for my writers, we are going to focus more on that autonomic nervous system, and I want you to use your handout, and now I want you to take some notes, some more detailed notes. Now, the autonomic nervous system, I introduced it by saying that it controls the involuntary movements. So I'm talking about those internal body functions, all right, such as breathing. Mm -hmm. You don't think about that. You're not tracking your breathing. Your digestion, you have no control over that, all right, and your heart rate. 
not something that you're thinking about, not something that you can even control if you want it to. All right. So the autonomic nervous system kind of, you know, it kind of sounds like what it is. Everything that is automated. So anything having to do with the liver, like the liver, the organs, the the genitals, like all of these things that you really don't control. This is the system that requires these things to function. All right. So it helps you to think. All right. So now that we have a good understanding of what we're talking about, let's look at a further division of it. All right. Let's look at a further division of it. So the autonomic nervous system breaks down into another two complements. So this is a really great structure, right? Um, so the autonomic nervous system breaks down into the sympathetic and the parasympathetic. So here we have the sympathetic, all right? The sympathetic nervous system is our flight or fight, fight or flight. All right. And I know you guys are you're getting more familiar with these terms. The closer the closer that we get to medications, the more familiar it will become. And then the parasympathetic functions are your um, your rest and digest. OK, so these are the things that you do when your body is at peace. All right. Now, the effects of the body, what's happening to the body really depends on what system is in control or what system, okay, um, is being medicated to see what happens, all right? And that's why I like to call um, these divisions more complements because they complement each other. All right. Now I have here, um, I do want to get into the medications. I really do want to get into the medications, but for my visual learners, what I want you, what I want you to understand is when we say sympathetic flight or fight, or when we say parasympathetic rest and digest, what we mean in regards to the larger scope of the nervous system. Because you have to understand that if you're flighting or fighting something, if you're fighting something, then it means that nerves are being targeted in order for you to fight. There are things that are happening to your body in order for you to run very fast, all right? And it's the same with the parasympathetic. If you are digesting and you're resting, then there's actually nerves that are allowing you to do that. And these all fall under the autonomic nervous system, which means we have no control over these things that are happening. So I, I like this diagram because what it showed me, um, here it is. What it showed me here is that if I'm looking at the parasympathetic nervous system, okay, I am seeing that the nerves are primarily at the top of the brain, right? At the top of, well, I should say the top of the body and then the bottom of the body, okay? So the top of the body and the bottom of the body. So what that means is that 
hey, it can take, yeah, it can take a while for those messages to come through, right? It can take a while uh, for those messages to come through, especially if they have to get to central organs. They have a longer way to travel. But look at this, look at the sympathetic nervous system. All of those nerve points are right in the middle of the spine. Okay, they're very close, which means that these, these functions can happen very quickly. Do you guys see that? Because they're right there. So when we talk about increasing the heart rate, bam, it's right there at the heart. That heart is going up really quickly. That heart rate's going up very quickly. And so um, the sympathetic nervous system can really organize, can really organize and coordinate a lot of organ functions very quickly, okay? Very quickly. So I thought that was a really helpful um, visual aid to see exactly what we're talking about, okay? Now, now that we understand parasympathetic, that rest, that peace, and the sympathetic, let's look at medications that act on these um, nerves. So if we're talking about the first, the first box here, um, we're gonna talk about the sympathetic. So that S, I want you to fill out sympathetic. And we're going to look at the pharmacology classes that will um, work on the sympathetic nervous system. And so that means they will mimic the, sim the stimulation of this system. Does that make sense? Does that make sense to you guys? So if you take these type of medications, then you will have that feeling of what? Will you be resting? Will you have that feeling of peace? Or will you have that feeling of panic? Okay, so the sympathetic nervous system, if you take a medication that is considered an anticholinergic, and I have there an example, just one example, atropine. If you take an anticholinergic, it is going to cause your body to be in a state of alarm, all right? And some of us, we have been studying these medications and we've seen the word anticholinergic, but we didn't realize how it worked on the body. We were just trying to memorize a list of medications. And so it makes so much more sense when we put it in this context to help us to remember what are the signs that we need to look for. What is expected if we give an anticholinergic, all right? And so one of the things that you won't see me do is I'm not going to give you a list of drugs. That's not what I'm going to do. I'm going to familiarize you with the class of medication so that when you see a drug later on, you actually know the purpose and the intention of it. So I'm going to give you just like one example for these classes of medication because it's more important that you understand the anatomy that is going to be affected if this drug is given. So an anticholinergic will mimic the sympathetic nervous system response, okay? Now another sympathetic 
medication is the adrenergic. Have you heard of the adrenergic medications? Well, the adrenergic medications, they mimic epinephrine. Okay, so they act like an epinephrine medication. So dopamine is considered an adrenergic medication. Okay, and if this information is new to you, just put a star by it because you definitely are going to want to um, spend some more time familiarizing yourself with it. Okay, and so the, the third class of the sympathetic nervous system medications um, is going to be the catecholamines, right? And these are very popular. Catecholamines are actually just the, the hormones that give you energy, that excite you. And so the example um, here would be epinephrine, okay? Or you could even have adrenaline here, I guess. It's considered a catecholamine. So what's important is that you understand these names, these terms, they finally make sense. Okay, anticholinergic, I know what that is. Um, the adrenergics, I know where that goes. The catecholamines, the epinephrine, I know what that, what that is, okay? Um, so let's talk about now when you give this medication, what changes occur after these medications are given? And because we reviewed the anatomy, we already know this stuff. We already know if I give this medication, what is my patient's heart rate going to do? Tachycardia. Yes, I'm, I'm fight or flight right now. If I'm given an anticholinergic, it's fight or flight. The pupils will dilate. They're going to open up, okay? They're going to open up so you can see. So you can see the bear. So you can see that NCLEX question, right? Because normally the, the thought of NCLEX <laughs> like produces a sympathetic response. So... Um, they're going to open up, all right? That's going to cause the eye pressure to go up, all right? So think about that. Think about that. Um, gastrointestinal. Is this the time to be digesting the spaghetti that you had? No, this is not the time for digestion. You don't have time to digest the dinner or the breakfast or whatever. You don't have time for that. You got to run. So it's going to inhibit digestion, all right? Okay. So if we give, if we give and if we give an epinephrine, let's go down to the next box. Let's look at the glucose and the respiratory changes. Um, the sympathetic nervous system, okay, uh, receptors, if, if they're stimulated with these medications, the blood sugar will go up. And the respirations, what's going to happen? Your respirations are going to be more effective because they're going to have that bronchodilation. So that's why we give epinephrine for what? When the airway is closed, 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 closing, closing, closing up. Oh my goodness, like your patient's having an allergic response to something. If we give epinephrine, is it going to help the patient breathe? Yes, it is. Okay. So. This is what we can expect from these medications. All right, I feel better already. I feel better already. Now let's look at the parasympathetic medications. Let's look at the parasympathetic medications and let's get some understanding. So we're gonna start all the way up from the top and we're going to fill in that second box with the term parasympathetic, okay? And we know that this is the system that if it's in control, we're at peace, okay? 
All right. So the first class, if you notice, it's kind of the opposite of the sympathetic medications. So we have the cholinergics. So if you've ever been studying cholinergics or you were in that med surge class and the teacher just, you know, threw in this class of medications, then they were probably talking about it in relationship to acetylcholine because the cholinergic medications mimic the body's natural acetylcholine. And so cholinergic medications are used to treat conditions like MS, okay, multiple sclerosis or myasthenia gravis I have here. Um, and the reason why uh, is because what do, what do, okay, what do, I'm gonna go back to this chart. If we're looking at, if we're looking at the parasympathetic, okay, if you're looking at the parasympathetic nerves, some of the things that you lose um, the ability control with myasthenia gravis, right? Like your, your, your bladder, your muscles, your digestion, right? You lose that bodily function with this condition. And so if we give a medication that helps to innervate the nerves so that you gain control of digestion, you gain control of your, your bladder function, um, it will help you to be more independent longer. So cholinergics are used for myasthenia gravis. They help you to regain control of those automated functions, all right? All right. Um, the next class is the anti-adrenergics. And the anti-adrenergics are actually beta blockers. And I didn't have to put any beta blockers down because I know that you guys understand beta blockers. And so if we're thinking about trying to do the parasympathetic method for the heart, right? Which direction do we want the heart rate to go if we want the parasympathetic uh, nervous system to be in control? We want that heart rate to go down. Yes, so an anti-adrenergic, because we know the adrenergics are going to increase, are going to um, make everything go up. The anti-adrenergic will make this, particularly the heart rate um, or the respirations to go down, okay? All right. And then catecholamine, we saw this in the sympathetic nervous system. So the sympathetic nervous system catecholamine that you guys wrote down was epinephrine. So for the parasympathetic uh, system, we have norepinephrine. And so norepinephrine is gonna be in control to help you to facilitate that internal piece, that rest and digest, okay? All right, so these are the three classes. They're very easy to remember if you have studied the sympathetic medications because they're just opposites, all right, here. So what kind of changes, physical changes, do we expect to see? Well, we will have a decrease in the heart rate 
with the parasympathetic medications. So the heart rate is going to go down. We're going to see some vasoconstriction. All right. Um, and that vasoconstriction is going to also affect the eyes. Okay. And that vasoconstriction is going to, um, is going to help promote digestion. It's going to help promote digestion. All right. All right. Here we go. Here we go. All right. Now, also, 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 if we are thinking about, if we're thinking about the blood sugar, if we're thinking about the blood sugar, we will see and we will actually see a decrease in blood glucose levels, which is great. Okay. And we are going to see some bronchioconstriction, some bronchioconstriction as well, as well. My pharmacology note at the bottom here is that when it comes to blood pressure, both epinephrine and norepinephrine will increase the blood pressure, right? So I tried to figure out, okay, which one will do it? But um, from my research, I showed that both epinephrine and norepinephrine can increase blood pressure. Okay, so now that we have studied the content, we've been over the medications, what I'd like to do is to have you apply what we just studied to actual NCLEX style questions. And the whole goal for this is just to see if you can make sense of what you're being asked. And so when you study the content first, when you look at an NCLEX question, um, in my mind, I want you just to be able to break it down. I want you to be able to just break it down. And even if we struggle with picking the right answer, as long as we've learned something at that time, I'm happy. That's progress. Okay. So let's go back and let's look at these questions here. And the first one says this, a 36 year old client is admitted to the critical care unit for an overdose of a cholinergic drug. The client reports bradycardia, bronchospasms, bladder spasms, and pupil constriction. Which of the following is the most appropriate treatment? Select all that apply. Select all that apply. All right. So here we go, guys. The options are, okay, um, meparidine, okay, digoxin, atropine, nor epinephrine and anticholinesterase medications. Okay. All right. So here we're talking about a cholinergic drug. 
So the cholinergic drug is going to be acting on which nervous system response? The cholinergic drug is going to be acting on the parasympathetic, okay? So that rest and digest. So we have, we have the symptoms of that here. We have um, the pupil constriction. We have that low heart rate. We have the bronchospasms, right? The bladder spasms here. So what do you guys think? What medications are you familiar with? And it's okay if there's some medications that you, you look at and you say, you know what, I don't know what number one is. I really don't know, all right? Um, because one of the reasons why you're here is to help you identify weaknesses. So if there's a medication you don't know, put a star by it so you can look it up, okay? So what medications are going to help improve this patient? The correct answer are three and five, okay? Three and five. So atropine, we know that is a sympathetic nervous system medication. So where the heart rate is low, atropine is going to do what? It's going to bring that heart rate up. Okay, and then because we know that this is a cholinergic drug, right, we will know that anti-cholinergic or they call them anti-cholinesterase medications will also reverse the effects. Okay, and the great thing about this, the great thing about this is literally sometimes once you understand the class of medications, the terminologies, picking out the right answer becomes so much easier. All right, let's try another question here. This is question number two. Okay, question number two says, a nurse is reconciling the medications in an emergency cart. The norepinephrine is most appropriately given for, all right? Why would we give norepinephrine? Think about what it does to the body. Is it the treatment of severe hypotension, okay? Management of chronic neurogenic pain, hmm. treatment of severe upper airway constriction, or the management of urinary incontinence? And this is a great um, NCLEX question that really targets whether, um, whether, whether, whether a student knows pharmacology, just the basics of pharmacology. All right. So think about it. If you need to look back at your notes, go ahead and do it. All right. Go ahead and do it and um, see if you can determine why we would give norepinephrine. All right. Put it on the screen. Hey, go ahead. The reason why we come together to study is so that the community can be stronger. All right. The correct answer is number one. All right. Norepinephrine has the ability to vasoconstrict, 
vasoconstrict. So if your client has hypotension, severe hypotension, all right, the vessels are dilated, we can constrict them. And what is that going to do to the blood pressure? That is going to increase that blood pressure. That's going to increase that blood pressure. We would not give norepinephrine for urinary incontinence. We certainly would not give it for airway constriction because it's going to further constrict the airways. We don't need that. Um, and then we don't give epinephrine to treat pain. It is not a pain reliever. So the only one that really makes sense is number one, the ability to vasoconstrict. All right, let's do another question. And you know what? I, I need to change this next question, number three, to a select all that apply. All right, a select all that apply. So just write that down and let's look at, let us look at our question here. Um, a nurse is preparing to administer a non-selective beta adrenergic agent which of the following conditions in the client's history indicate a possible contraindication? Select all that apply. So we know the pharmacology class now. You guys know what it means to be a adrenergic agent, okay? And all right, we also know that select all that apply. We're looking for a condition that would tell you do not give this, okay? Do not give this. All right. So um, here, 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 we are, um, we also are looking at the select all that apply. So that means that one or more answers can be correct. One or more answers can be correct here. So the choices are number one, hypersensitivity reaction, okay? Is that a contraindication? Hypersensitivity reaction? Okay. Also, 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 hmm, pulmonary hypertension. Pulmonary hypertension. Three, hearing loss, hearing loss. For routine garlic consumption. Are we worried about that? Somebody taking garlic, you know, pretty, pretty regularly. Does that matter? What about a fever and clear nasal drainage? Right. Are we worried about that? We're talking about adrenergic agents. So if we are looking for reasons not to give this medication, knowing that it stimulates the sympathetic responses, all right, our reasons not to give it are number one, hypersensitivity reactions are, are just the same as allergic reactions. So always pick this, like anytime a patient can have a potential allergic reaction to a medication, it's a possible contraindication. All right. So it says hypersensitivity, but I could have put history of allergic reactions. Would you guys have picked it if, if it was if I said that history of allergic reactions? The same thing. It's the same thing for number one. All right. So I always pick that whenever I see it. 
because it means the patient um, can possibly go into anaphylaxis if they get it. All right. And then so pulmonary hypertension would be a reason why you wouldn't give an adrenergic agent. Because remember, the adrenergic agent is going to dilate. Okay, so it is going to um, open up the airways, open up, and this could actually make um, the pulmonary hypertension worse for this patient. So it's a con it's a contraindication. All right, it's a contraindication here. All right, specifically, uh, the other things don't the other things don't matter. They don't matter. We're not worried about it. Okay. So let us, let us, let us go on to question number four here. It says, a nurse is preparing to administer an adrenergic, okay, um, sympathomimetic, all right, or they can call it that. Uh, you guys know what, what they do, what it means. It's just like the same question we had before, drug, okay? So we're gonna give this drug, which medication can cause a potential hypertensive crisis. And this may seem tricky, but one of these medications are known for raising your blood <laughs> pressure if it gets mixed with the wrong thing. So that's a clue right there. So the, the choices are aspirin, monamine oxidase inhibitor, insulin aspart, or amylodipine amylodipine, all right? Which one of these medications here is most likely to cause a potential hypertensive crisis? And the correct answer is certainly, oh, number two, monamine oxidase inhibitors, these MAOIs, they interact with so many things. They interact with so many medications, um, foods. You guys know, um, if you have been studying quick facts for NCLEX, then you know, uh, I love this book. This is one of my favorite products I've ever created. Um, you know that MAOIs have so many, um, so many interactions. So this is an opportunity for you to take notes. If you're learning something new, you go ahead and add them to your quick facts book, add them to your VT workbook. Uh, this is all about learning. Okay. So, um, so we have here these medications. Listen, we are going to transition into some more, um, some more medications that you need to know for NCLEX it's time to review the alternative and herbal medications. Filling out the workbooks. I hope you're having a great time. We are in studying, this is deep studying. All right, so herbals, herbals, herbals. Herbals are any plant with flowers, leaves, or seeds. And let me just say this, any plants with flowers, leaves, or seeds. And I, I chose to do this. this. This topic is also in my um, full lecture review. Let me just say this. This topic is also in the full program, herbal medications. You have to know them just because there are, are so many safety concerns because literally you can buy these 
from anywhere. You can buy them from the store. You can buy them from Amazon. They can come directly to your house. And so there is so much potential danger, right? When a patient is taking these and then they're also taking prescribed medications that it is a must for your nursing exams to understand the potential complications. So the ones that I'm introducing to you today um, are in addition to the ones that we study inside the virtual trainer. All right. So we're talking about herbal medications. Herbals are any plants with flowers, leaves, or seeds. Now, um, examples of herbals, okay, of herbal medications can be teas, oils, syrups, liquids, extracts, and dry pills, okay? My NCLEX safety point are herbal remedies are never to be injected into a client. No matter how they boil them down, sterilize them, they are never to be injected into a client for any reason, okay? All right, so let's get into some herbal medications and some teaching points about them. So the first one is um, a very popular, even still, even still with everything that people know about this herbal medication, it is still quite popular, um, ephedra, okay? Ephedra or myahung is used as a dietary aid. Now, the reason why ephedra is so popular as, um, as a dietary aid is because ephedra, it stimulates the heart, the nervous system. I mean, it really is a stimulant to the body, and so it helps you to burn fat, all right? Um, so like when you take ephedra, you have all this energy, you're, you're, you're quite jittery, like you're up, you're moving around, you're hot, and so while you're doing all this additional activity, you are going to burn fat, like you're gonna lose weight. And so people like it because the short-term effects of ephedra, um, you can't deny them. They are beneficial if you're trying to get a quick weight loss. Um, and so you have all these different types of pills like black beauties, what is this, a black spider, yellow, like all these different kinds of weight loss pills that include this. But ephedra is so dangerous. It is so dangerous. Um, of course, you should not take it with caffeine because caffeine makes you uh, jittery. Caffeine makes you on edge, right? Um, and then it has been found that ephedra, okay, Ephedra causes irregular heart rates. It causes you to have strokes, heart attacks. So if you have a history, a cardiac history, if you have a cardiac history, you absolutely should not try this for weight loss at all. It just, you just should not. Because you're already predisposed to something that we know that this causes, okay? We know that this causes. So, um, very popular still, even with all of the um, complications that are known, people still take ephedra. So we gotta learn about it for our state board exams. The second 
The second herbal medication is kava kava. And kava kava is really popular because it's considered to be like nature's anti-anxiety medication. Um, so people drink it. They find it in teas. Uh, I mean, there's whole like little juice bars that just serve kava kava. And so um, it's used for insomnia. It's also used for um, a muscle pain. And even if you have like complications with pain, like for, for, for like a urinary tract infection or whatever, this will help you to reduce some of that uh, discomfort. So what about kava kava that you need to teach your patients? You don't take it with sleeping pills or alcohol because kava kava is re gonna relax you, all right? It's not gonna intoxicate you, but it will relax you. And so you don't wanna take it with sleeping pills or alcohol, which also are kind of like depressants. Also, um, for clients with Parkinson's disease, it interacts with the medication levodopa, okay? And levodopa is used to control some of the movements with Parkinson's disease. And so if you're taking kava kava, you will find that your levodopa is not effective you will find that it will not be as effective. And so that is a teaching point. Like most medications, kava kava does cause some liver toxicity because it is metabolized through the liver. So it's the liver's responsibility to break this herbal down, okay? All right, let's move on. We are moving on to our third herbal medication, which is introducing royal jelly, okay? Many of you have not heard of this. I myself um, am just new to royal jelly, but let me tell you, royal jelly has been used since the ancient days, the Egyptians. Like, I was reading all this stuff about it, um, and even today, it is so popular, royal jelly, um, is used to lower cholesterol. Uh, it is used to increase immunity. People think that it helps you to stay young. Um, it definitely has been around for quite a while. I don't know. Have you guys ever heard of this? And you know anybody that, that is using it? Uh, royal jelly is used to feed the queen bee. So if you think about like all the worker bees and stuff, um, they, they say that royal jelly is the diet of the queen of the hive. So whereas, uh, so like whereas I was reading, whereas like regular bees, and I'm, no, I'm not a bee expert, but we're talking about royal jelly. So like regular bees live like eight weeks, but the queen bee who eats this royal jelly lives like eight years. So there is this huge difference in what this substance does for a bee. So people are thinking like, okay, I got to get down with this. This could keep me young forever. So people take royal jelly um, and there is a huge client risk for it because if you are allergic to bees in any way, and you consume this royal jelly because you can eat it, right? You can have what? Of course, an allergic or possible reaction. So not the best thing. We have to tell our patients that this substance that you can buy and literally um, 
all of these things are, you know, very common. You can find them. You have to be sure that you are not allergic to bee venom, bee venom. All right, my last herbal medication here is so popular, I cannot ever not talk about this, never, because St. John's wort is um, one of the most herbal medications. It's one of the most popular ones on the NCLEX test plan. Um, and if you look at nurses who do surveys about what they're seeing, what their patients are taking, St. John's wort is definitely at the top. So. Um, it's used for mild to moderate depression. People can also put it topically on the skin for uh, skin irritations and or burns. Skin irritations and or burns. So pretty common. You find this in the stores and things. You have to tell clients that if they're taking, um, if they're taking any SSRIs, right? Okay. So traline, if they're taking anything like this, you cannot take St. John's wort with an SSRI because they both work on serotonin, okay? So you can have serotonin overload. I have there in red, never mix St. John's wort with an SSRI. Also, um, St. John's wort and seizure medications are not a great fit because the St. John's wort will reduce the levels of phenotin um, and phenobarbital in the blood. And so that could put your client at risk for potential, what? For potential seizures. Yeah, that could put your client at risk for potential seizures. So um, if you didn't have these notes in your uh, virtual trainer workbook, then you can also, you feel free to add them or also in your quick facts for NCLEX, if you got the full package, you can add that as well there. So this is herbal medications and alternative therapies. I do want to review the alternative therapies as well, because if you're into herbal medications, you might be exploring alternative therapies and nurses have to be able to speak to these treatments. So um, when, filling out your blanks here, when only herbal medicines are used, it is called an alternative medicine, okay? So when you're just using the herbal medications and it is not a part of standard care, okay? Um, I don't know any medical doctors that are gonna prescribe royal jelly, okay? So if you're using just the herbal medications, it is considered alternative medication. Now, when herbal medications are used with traditional Western medicine, it's called complementary medicine, okay? It's going to complement what the doctor has prescribed. So an, an example of complementary medicine is if a patient is getting chemotherapy and they're taking ginger for nausea, or they're doing acupuncture for nausea. That is an example of a complementary medication because you're getting the chemotherapy that's prescribed in the hospitals, but you're also, you know, taking an herbal medication or an alternative medication for something else. Okay. 
relying on the body to heal itself is called naturopathy. Okay. And this is what focuses on like the entire health. So the, the mental health, the mind, the body, the spirit, you're allowing the body to heal itself. All right. You're focusing on the body. Now there's a chart that's next and Essentially, what I wanted to do before we go over the NCLEX questions is just give you the purpose of the alternative medicine and then give you that name. So if you get like a drag and drop or you have to match it, then this will help you to do that. So um, the alternative medication or um, the, the idea that focuses on the mind and body, right? The mind and body together is holistic. That's what the term holistic is. It's not just focused on the body and the disease. Okay. Aligning the spine where you get health by keeping the spine aligned. We are familiar with this in the United States. Chiropractic care. Um, chiropractors are very. Uh, what's the word I want to look? Uh, there's a multitude of chiropractors here. Okay. Um, and they are very beneficial if you are choosing to use this sort of alternative medication. If you want to address the imbalances of energy flow, then acupuncture, acupuncture is the division that will help you to get that energy flow in line. The division of medicine that works on principle um, like cures like is homeopathic medication, homeopathic medications. The medications that are used to eliminate impurities all right. Um, and this is the Indian culture. It's big in the Indian culture. Um, the diet science uh, is the Ayurvedic medicine or or you might see Ayurveda as well. Uh, it's been around a long, long time. It's science of life. Right. And then. Aiding digestion is yoga. Yoga helps to um, it helps to relieve a lot of gastrointestinal problems. And I'm sure there, there's other benefits to yoga as well. Um, I'm just focusing on the medical side of it. So irritable bowel, Crohn's, constipation, yoga has been known to help patients to deal with that. Now it is time to go over some additional educational points for herbal medications. The FDA does regulate claims made on the over-the-counter supplements. So they cannot say, you know, will cure uh, diabetes. They cannot say will reduce, you know, um, heart risk or anything like that. They have to be very general um, and generic. That's number one. Two, alternative medicine is used more by men than women. 
three, ephedra. Okay, the first herbal medicine we talked about has been banned by the FDA. All right, it has been banned by the FDA for a long time. However, we are still talking about ephedra and still studying ephedra because people are still buying it. They don't care. They are still buying it. So we have to be able to teach our clients about um, the possible complications of ingesting this supplement. All right, let's go over some practice questions now that we studied the content. Here we go. So here's the first one. All of my Remar nurses, you gotta get this one right. Which of the following herbal medications increase the risk of bleeding? Increase the risk of bleeding. Select all that apply. So hmm, what's interesting about these herbal medications? Number one, is it ginseng? Two, could it be ginger? Three, ginkgo biloba. Four, glucosamine. Five, garlic. Hmm, select all that apply. We are talking about which herbal medications increase the risk of bleeding. All right, select all that apply. The correct answer, ladies and gentlemen, is yes, all of them. All of them will do it. Uh, and just a short reminder, any herbal medication that starts with the letter what? Any herbal medication that starts with the letter G can certainly increase bleeding or risk of bleeding. So you'll remember that if you didn't get it right. Next one, here we go. A client is diagnosed with seasonal depression. St. John's wort is the requested treatment based on the client's care plan. Which of the following medications would contraindicate the use of this medication? Hmm. All right. Is it aspirin, heparin, warfarin or acetaminophen which one is it aspirin heparin warfarin or acetaminophen all right mm -hmm. it's interesting okay the correct answer actually here is Warfarin, did you know that um, St. John's wort reduces the effectiveness of this medication? And so warfarin is a, a blood thinner and it is used to reduce clots, okay? All right, um, let's go on. Let's go on, let's do one more. I like this one because this makes you really think here. So it says this practice question number three, it says, a nurse is caring for a client recently diagnosed with the human immunodeficiency virus. So the client was recently diagnosed with HIV, all right? Um, the client states that they have no sexual risk factors. Which of the following alternative medical treatments can be related 
to this diagnosis. Select all that apply. So these are content-based questions. What do you know about these practices that could potentially expose a patient to HIV? It's, it's so interesting, huh? So number one says chiropractic medicine. You guys know what that is. Two says royal jelly. You know what that is. Three, Ayurvedic medicine. Four, homeopathic medicine. Five, acupuncture medicine. Hmm. So which one of these could put a patient at risk for, for HIV? Hmm. All right. The correct answer is, I'm going to show you the correct answer is acupuncture. Did you get that one right? Acupuncture. Yes, because acupuncture uses what? It uses needles. It uses needles. And hey, you may not know where those needles come from. You may not know who else is using those needles or where they're going. So um, IV drug abusers, those with tattoos and those who... Uh, frequently use acupuncture are considered at-risk groups for HIV, HIV. And so, hey, look at the importance of your herbal medications, all right? Look at the importance of the alternative medicines. Hey, this is the stuff that we um, we need to go over, and I love this topic of pharmacology where we can look at all these different divisions of medicine. So there's more. Listen, we have another lecture, Expected Changes in Aging, but I want to tell you more about our virtual trainer. Now I'm gonna take you inside of our virtual trainer, just like I promised. So I have taken a page out of our NCLEX virtual trainer student workbook and put it in your downloadable workbook. So when we go inside the virtual trainer, you will be able to see what it's like to study with the full comprehensive NCLEX review. You can get this program done in three to six weeks. So I'm telling you guys, it is going to be a fantastic opportunity to get your nursing license. Let's check it out. Welcome to the Remar Review Virtual Trainer, the future of nursing education. Here we have a fully customizable, immersive and interactive experience to accelerate learning. Here at Remar Review, we believe that every nursing student can pass NCLEX when they are connected to the right study material. Effective studying will not only increase knowledge, but also confidence for students who need to study in a flexible learning environment at a reasonable cost. And the best part is that I guarantee the nursing students will actually enjoy studying. With our full motion videos, and user participation, we have created a one-of-a-kind immersive environment that will take education and assessment to the next level. Mobile interface, dynamic exhibits, file vaults, social media integration, report cards, and user certificates. Before I go, let me say that our goal here is to have your complete satisfaction. We are excited to partner with you on this journey to help you pass NCLEX.
Welcome to Expected Changes During Aging. The aging process affects every individual differently. We know that. But as our bodies age, there are certain physiological changes that you can prepare for as a natural part of growing old. So we're going to look at different systems and I'm going to tell you the changes tested on NCLEX. So the first system is the cardiac system and that involves our heart. Of course, what you can expect as you grow older is a decreased cardiac output. So the cardiac output decreases, but what happens is there is an increase gradually in the blood pressure. And that is because the vessels tend to become more non-compliant. They constrict a little bit more. Now, a big thing that you have to understand is orthostatic hypotension. Orthostatic hypotension. And this is common in the elderly. And it's essentially a decrease in blood pressure as the position of the client changes. So with orthostatic hypotension, I want you guys to, to understand this principle if this is the first time you're hearing it, but when you take uh, orthostatics, you have the patient lie flat, you do a blood pressure. Then you move them to a sitting position, you do a blood pressure. And of course I'm saying blood pressure, but the blood pressure also includes the heart rate as well. And then you have them up to a standing position you check the blood pressure and you check the pulse. Now, if a client is positive for orthostatic hypotension, then as they sit up and as they stand, you will notice that the blood pressure decreases and the heart rate goes up to try to compensate for that dropping blood pressure. So it is kind of common with our elderly patients, so that is why we encourage them to change positions slowly change positions slowly another point that i want you to know is that the peripheral circulation in the elderly client also decreases so think about that remar nurses as the patient grows older if the blood and the nutrients are not getting to the periphery or the extremities how is that going to affect skin? How is that going to affect capillary refills? All those things, okay? All right. Now we need to look at the respiratory system. Of course, here, as you get older, you're going to have increased oxygen demands, increased oxygen demands, but a decreased lung expansion. All right, so with increased oxygen demands, that simply means that when an elderly client does activity, such as going up the stairs or um, going grocery shopping or driving, anything that's going to have them to be doing activity, getting in and out of the car and driving somewhere, they're going to require a little more oxygen. But as we age, the vascular, the vessels and, and, and the muscles and everything, they don't expand as freely. They're not as flexible. So the decreased lung expansion will be noted. Here is a question. Is it normal 
for an elderly client to wear oxygen. What do you think? Is it normal for an elderly client to wear oxygen? Think about this. When you turn a certain age, is it happy birthday, you're 59, you're 65, you're 75, here's your oxygen because this is a normal part of aging. What do you guys think? No, absolutely not. Anytime you see someone wearing oxygen, there is some disease process that is requiring that additional oxygen all the time. So it is very, very important for nurses to understand that oxygen is a medication. All right. It's not something that you just give casually to someone. It's a medication and there needs to be a disease process to back it up. Now, one of my hobby horses as an, a nurse instructor, as a preceptor, as a mentor, is that when you put oxygen on a patient, make sure, make sure that after the oxygen is no longer therapeutic, you remove it. And this is a, a personal matter as nurses, as an NCLEX expert, I need you guys to know that normally after about six hours, oxygen is no longer therapeutic for acute conditions. So I'm going off here, but this is important for you to understand. If a patient comes in and they have a myocardial infarction and we put oxygen on them, after about six hours, that oxygen is no longer therapeutic. And so you're just having the patient to maintain oxygen with no benefit. And so what happens is people come into the hospital all the time, oxygen is initially put on them for the reason why they're there, but it's never taken off. And so they may be in the hospital for three and four days, and then when it's time to be discharged, the nurse attempts to take the oxygen off, and what happens after a patient has been on oxygen for three days? They cannot breathe, they have shortness of breath, they need the oxygen. So many people come into the hospital with no oxygen, but leave with a prescription for continuous oxygen because nurses have failed to take that oxygen off the patient when it was the appropriate time. So I say all that because I want you guys to be excellent nurses. As a Remar nurse, you have a responsibility to do no harm and to teach others to do the same, okay? Let's move on to the integumentary system. We're talking about the skin here. As you grow old, the skin becomes dry, thin, wrinkled. Yes, that is what we expect. There is also a decline in the ability to repair damaged tissues and also a decline in wound healing abilities. And so this, this goes back to the other organ functions, right? If the heart is not able to effectively um, supply the, the periphery with nutrients and oxygen, then that's going to de decrease the amount of healing that can take place. You know, skin changes in the elderly can lead to lower self-esteem as well. Oh, the reproductive system in the elderly, you need to monitor the hormonal changes. 
So for women, there is a decrease in estrogen, a decrease in estrogen, which of course leads to menopause. For the men, there is a decrease in testosterone. Let me give you these NCLEX tips that you want to know. Elderly adults are still sexually active and they have to be educated on STDs, sexually transmitted diseases. If you look at the prevalence of sexually transmitted diseases and the top five groups who are contracting them, you will find that the elderly tend to be in that top five. So we have to make sure that we educate them on those STDs. For women, vaginal dryness is common and it is something that needs to be discussed with the nurse or healthcare provider. Erectile dysfunction is also common in men, so we need to know those medications for NCLEX as well. You can check them out in your quick facts for NCLEX. The musculoskeletal system includes the bones, the joints, and the tendons. For the elderly, there is a decreased range of motion, a decreased calcium level, and a decrease in overall muscles. You need to know that bone loss begins at age 40 commonly. The GU system, the genital urinary system, there are changes that happens to the urinary tract and urinary system as well. The kidneys actually get smaller as you age. So as well, the bladder size decreases. So if you have a smaller bladder, what you're going to have is urinary frequency because that bladder needs to be emptied more frequently. Dehydration is a common issue in the elderly. Uh, let me ask you this question. Is urinary incontinence normal as you age? Is it expected? Um, is it normal? What do you say? Yes, it is normal. Kegel exercises. Kegel exercises can be used to strengthen the pelvic floor muscles in women and in men. I talked about that during pregnancy and we're seeing it again. As you guys can tell, the NCLEX, so many things tie together to help you have a really strong foundation for this exam. The gastrointestinal changes that you need to know, dry mouth is common, constipation, there is a delayed gastric emptying that will contribute to that constipation. The overall digestion ability decreases for fatty, greasy kinds of foods. Let me say this, is tooth loss a normal part of aging? What do you say? Is it common for the elderly? And I know we see it a lot. A lot of elderly people have false implants and dentures. But is that a normal part of aging? Is it expected? The answer is no, it is not. Tooth loss is not a normal part of aging. It indicates that a client has poor dental hygiene. They have poor dental hygiene. The nervous system, the changes that are experienced are a decrease in activity of the central nervous system and the peripheral nervous system. So the CNS and the PNS are the abbreviations. 
there is a decrease in reaction and reflex times as you grow older. So as nurses, we need to monitor for the need of assistive devices such as canes, walkers, yes. Um, because with a decreased reaction time and also flexibility, mobility, those assistive devices are important for balance and coordination. You know, the mental function of the elderly should remain intact. If intelligence decreases, a disease process is present. I gotta talk about the immune system. There is a decrease in the functioning of the immune system. So that means that our elderly patients are at an increased risk of illness. And for NCLEX, you want to encourage the seasonal flu vaccine. The endocrine system, there is a decreased secretion of the thyroid hormone. This as well affects the metabolism of our client. Also, there is a decreased insulin production. So let me ask you this. If there is a decrease in insulin production by the endocrine system, will that make the blood sugar levels increased or decreased? What say if you? If there's a little insulin production in the body, do the blood sugars go up? or down. Those blood glucose levels will be increased, increased. So you want to definitely watch out for that for your client. And finally, we have the senses. Hearing, tasting, touching, smelling, seeing. What do you think happens as you age? Everything, all of the senses will decrease. The smell declines. The taste declines. Hearing, there is a loss of high-pitched sounds. And these are the first sounds to go. So when I'm educating elderly clients, I have to make sure that I talk in a lower, deeper voice. Because if I talk in my regular voice, they cannot hear me. Also, we're encouraging the use of visual and hearing aids. And again, we're speaking in a slower tone, in a deeper, lower tone, so that they can hear us. All right, your expected changes of aging have been reviewed. Let's move on. Hey, everybody, welcome to our very important segment, all about this. Did you know that NCLEX is changing? This is the hottest topic right now when it comes to getting your license in nursing. NCLEX is changing and so you have to be ready to pass the exam now or be ready for these changes. And I'm going to tell you about the changes every week during Remar Nurse University. So as you know, when it comes to the NCLEX exam, it changes every three years. And typically the changes are very minor, a um, little bit of presentation changes, the scoring logic changes may increase, things like that. However, next year, the changes are major. 
let's look at let's look at the current NCLEX exam before it changes. What do we know about NCLEX right now? The purpose, the purpose of the exam, it was developed in order to determine if an entry-level nurse is equipped with skills and abilities that meet the client's healthcare needs. So that's perfect. That is what the license exam is supposed to do. Keep the public safe. So the current test structure has these elements and we know them and we love them. So the first element is the exam is computer adaptive. So that means everybody's test is different and it's individualized by the person. You actually choose the exam that you are going to take. Well, how about how many questions you can get? You can get between 75 to 145 test items on your current exam. And 15 of these items don't count. Now, the thing is, we don't know what items are considered pre-test and what items are considered the for real test because they're all mixed in. And the way that we can get questions vary. We can get multiple choice, multiple response, which is select all that apply, drag and drop, mm-hmm, hotspot. We can get um, some audio questions. There can be some graphics and exhibits currently on the exam. This is a pretty long test. You get five hours to complete your exam. And the scoring is straightforward. Either you get these questions right or you get them incorrect. There is no partial credit. So this all seems pretty sophisticated. A lot of students ask me all the time, why, why is the NCLEX changing? What are the reasons that these major changes are going to happen? And it is simply based on research, just like everything else that we do in nursing. It has been found that 50%, which is half of new nurses make errors, all right? And the thing about it is 65% of the errors that new nurses make are re related to some form of poor judgment, uh, specifically clinical judgment, either a task or an environment. Then the nurses, they just did not know what to do or what a situation called for. And even more importantly, People knew, <laughs> people knew. 20% of employers believe that they received new nurses who were not prepared, who were not prepared to make clinical decisions. And some of us can really think back to when we first came out of nursing school, did we really feel prepared for all that we had to do as a new nurse? Mm. So the, the goal of the exam was to now develop test questions or test items 
that actually mimic real life practice of nursing. And so we are going to be seeing a new way to determine what a student knows. And so that is introducing the next generation in CLEX. And every week I will be talking more and more about this NGN in CLEX exam. So before I leave, I do wanna look at a sample question type that we will see next year starting in April of 2023. So again, guys, like I said earlier, you need to be prepared now. Seriously, this is it. Pass the NCLEX now or be ready for, be ready for these changes. Be ready for these changes because it is all going down April 2023. Here's an example of a next generation NCLEX practice question. Reginald has undergone a kidney transplant. What assessment findings would prompt nurse Caitlin to suspect organ rejection? Select all that apply. Number one, increased blood pressure. Two, shock. Three, fever. Four, swelling extremities. Five, decreased urine output. Six, polyuria. Seven, rapid weight gain. Eight, rapid weight loss. What say if you guys, we are talking about a client who has undergone a kidney transplant, what assessment findings would, would indicate organ rejection? And so this is a next generation question type. So you have here more, more choices. Actually, we could have up to 10 item options that we would have to select from. So if you have done this question appropriately, sir, it is this. When a person receives a kidney transplant, the immune system sees it as foreign and attempts to reject it. Hypertension, elevated body temperature, swelling hands and feet, decreased urine output, and a rapid weight gain are signs that reflect an organ rejection post-kidney transplant. So number one, number three, number four, number five, and number seven are correct. And with this particular question, you get partial credit. So that means that every, every option that you got correct, you would get one point. And the options that you got incorrect, you would not get any points for that. And they would not take away from your correct choices. Okay, so not only do you have to know that with the next generation NCLEX, you can get more items, they can be worth a specific amount, but you also have to know when your wrong answers will affect your overall score or if they won't affect the items that you got correct. So much, much, much to know. And the end, you need to be ready to pass NCLEX now or be prepared for next generation. And I 
absolutely, absolutely think that right now is the best opportunity to take and pass and collect. Don't wait. If you are able to do it this year, then do it this year. I will show you, I will show you how to prepare for your state boards and pass the NCLEX in the next four to six weeks or even less with the NCLEX virtual trainer. So let's get into our next study session. I am ready to help you get your nursing license. And we will talk about, we will talk about part two next Monday at 8 p.m. about how NCLEX is changing. Be ready to pass NCLEX now or be ready for the changes. Either way, guys, with God, you can, you will, you must pass NCLEX. It's possible. It is possible with God. See you later. So you can see what it's like to study with the full review. And remember, this is a program that you can do in three to six weeks from your computer, your tablet, your phone, or even your smart TV. So yes, this is the opportunity for you to get your license. Your NCLEX review is a combination of online lecture resources and physical books. You will receive access to my virtual training platform and two of my best NCLEX resources, the NCLEX VT student workbook and quick facts for NCLEX. Hi, Remar community. Um, my name is Danielle, and I just wanted to go ahead and give my testimony real quick. I passed on Monday at 119 questions after seven years of being out of school on my seventh time. Um, this is Lucy. This is my reason for passing NCLEX. Um, thank you so much, Regina. I couldn't have done it without you. I couldn't have done it without God and his grace and his strength that he gave me to keep pushing on, to keep going. Um, everyone can do this. If I can do it, anyone can do it. Um, I'm a new mom. I worked 40 hours a week. I studied every free moment that I had, um, and I did it. And um, You can, too. So thanks again. Bye. Anybody's watching this video and wondering if they should do this, trust me, you should do this. Because there's areas of my favorites. My re It has a report card. It's fantastic. It's got everything right at the fingertips right here. Anyway, there's a downloadable thing where you could download paperwork, with the schedules for each week and everything else. Guys, do it. Get off the computer. I'm telling you right now, if it wasn't for Remore, I wouldn't be able to do it, I don't think. I have every other, every other study program. Um, they lower the price. I jumped on it. Absolutely jumped on it. Um, but I've got my books and my program and I am good to go. So I'm really excited to say that I am going to be a Remar nurse. Don't wait another second. Get off the computer. Go check it out right now. Bye. Hey guys, I just wanted to let you know the fun is not over yet. You have another class. So I can't wait to see you again. Set your reminders so you don't miss it. We are getting into that content. We are focusing on the test plan information and nothing else. I'm having an awesome time. Remember, you can, you will, and you must pass NCLEX. Yes, you can be a safe nurse. You can be confident. You can be competent. You can provide excellent nursing care. Your NCLEX date is there for you. Remember, you're in control. You pick the date. You pick the time. 
you pick the location. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. So go in there and get what you came for. You came for a license, so leave with one. Don't let anything, don't let any distractors, any person, any, anything take you out of that mindset. Oh, you've come too far to fail. You've applied to nursing school. You got into nursing school. You got through nursing school. You got through clinicals. You got through exits. You got through studying. This is the end of the finish line. I want you to walk across it, get your nursing license, and become an amazing Remar nurse. I'll see you guys soon. Take care. I thought I knew something. And then something said, you know, go ahead and get the virtual trainer. And I was like, no, I don't want the virtual trainer. I already got all this other stuff. I'm good. I'm smart. I know my content. The Lord dropped this, this knowledge or I heard his voice on my vacation and said, get that darn virtual trainer. So I got the virtual trainer and realized that I don't know everything. I sat up here and I was, you know, answering the questions and I was like, yeah, I know this. Then when she got to her, the endocrine, I got to the endocrine matching, match this with that. It took me two hours and I was sitting there like, I had to send out an SOS message for someone to help me with this endocrine system. Now that don't make no sense. So then I started doing it. I was like, oh, she's not finna beat me on this virtual training because I know I know my content. I got to a little a easy question on HIV. Got it wrong. I said, who? Who got this wrong? I looked back into my five star and I heard Regina's voice. Look it up. If you got it wrong, it's okay. That's why we're here. I don't want to hear that because I already know I know this content. So if you need something or someone to push you to make sure that you at a level that you need to be at in order to pass either the RN or LPN, get this virtual trainer. Put them shoes back and get this virtual trainer. I got this virtual trainer. What is she trying to do to me? Regina, I'm going to beat you and this virtual trainer. Just want to let you know that I'm going to conquer this virtual trainer and I'm going to conquer my NCLEX exam, RN. Everyone else who's sitting at home saying, I'm not going to pay that. You better get that virtual trainer. It's not a lot of money. It's not a lot of money because I don't I don't pay for the NCLEX exam more than one time. If I can afford the NCLEX exam, I can afford this virtual trainer. So stop making excuses. Put put a, a GoFundMe page up. Go to the uh, church or whatever and pray. When they send over the collection plate, ask them, excuse me, put the finger up. Can I borrow a couple of dollars out of this collection plate? Because I need to get me and my family where we need to be. And I need to pass this test. And this monster is not going to beat me. And this virtual trainer is not going to beat me either. So I'm going to go back and study. VT is what it is. Doing that. No, 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 no. Regina, you ain't going to beat me. The virtual trainer is the truth. 
you need to get it. You can study my program and get your license in three to six weeks. This is your opportunity to pass NCLEX and get your license. I'm so excited for you guys. Also, like, share, subscribe to this channel so you don't miss any of my new videos. I can't wait for you to get your nursing license. I need you to believe that. Say our motto at Remar Review is simply, I can, I will, I must pass NCLEX. Can you say that with me? I can, I will, I must pass NCLEX. One more time, say it like you mean it. I can, I will, and I must pass NCLEX. See you later, guys. Got a question for us? Head to RemarNurse.com and let's have a chat or go to the FAQ page for swift answers. You can also email us at support at and we'll be happy to address your NCLEX needs and concerns. Every Monday, Regina offers live and online reviews. Even this live will be available online for your studying purposes. If you're unable to watch the live reviews, you can tune in to Remar Nurse Radio on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and more. Don't forget, tag us to your social media. Later, guys. You can, you will, you must pass NCLEX.